All right, we are back. We couldn't let you uh, have just one iteration of the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan on this week, two of the football season. So we are back and strong. Two Monday night football games, a lot to get to. Mahomes contract, uh, the New York Jets quarterback situation. But, Mark, we cannot start the show off uh, with those items because no. we need to address something that just broke uh, a, a little bit ago in Hallis Hall. What is going on? We got Justin Fields talking back when asked about uh, his overthinking, which he said he, he needs to get back to, to going off of instinct and not overthinking. They asked him why uh, he, he thought that uh, that was the case, and he said coaching as the primary example for what was making him overthink and uh, kind of went into a little bit more detail there. But I would love to hear from you, the, the resident Bears fan on the football lounge, uh, your reaction to Justin Fields sounding off on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. I'm ready to run through a wall for Justin Fields. Uh, he, I will now die on the Justin Fields hill. I I love this so much because he obviously did not play well and he heard the criticism. But I think so much of the criticism is back and forth. We heard guys all this all over the last you know 48 hours from Dan Orlovsky to Colin Cow to other people all blaming this and that. Some were just blaming Justin, saying he has to just take control of the offense. He has to find the open receivers. He's holding onto the ball too long. And then there's the people like Orlovsky who are like, look at this play calling. Look at this bad offensive line play. Uh, clearly, they're not playing to his strengths. I mean, the stats are coming out, and we talked about it a little bit on Monday's show. The fact that Justin Fields only had one designed run call in yeah, that, that game bad. plan, it feels so much like the like the coaching staff has just forced Justin to be like, you have to be a pocket passer or else you're not going to be our guy. And what it's led to is just horrific offensive football. It's not a it's not a scheme like a Mike McDaniel scheme or a a, a Kyle Shanahan scheme or Sean McVay scheme that's just like, damn, man, this offensive scheme is so good, and Justin Fields just can't can't do the scheme. It's like a really terrible scheme. And then they're saying to their quarterback, who is one of the two or three most athletic people to pull at the at the position in the NFL right now. Oh, and don't be an athlete because you have to just play in the scheme. You can tell Justin was really frustrated. This press conference going back to today. And he basically said, I think it's coaching. He's, he's got in his head and he's overthinking things. He's holding onto the football too long. And the play calling has been, Bad. And maybe this is exactly what they all need a little bit for him to take control more. I bet the coaching staff wants him to take control. Like Matt Eberflus said in his press conference, the Bears head coach after the loss this weekend, hey, Justin has the ability to audible. Like we give him that ability and he didn't. He, he didn't audible on that screen call again. So maybe this is kind of this chess match move. Either way. It's huge positive vibes, in my opinion, for the Bears' offensive football plan that Justin is get, is seemingly going to say, throw caution to the wind. He has to prove, and I think it's maybe his agent or people around him and maybe himself just knowing careers end like this in the NFL for quarterbacks who are drafted high. Look at Mitch Trubisky. Look at Zach Wilson. Just recent examples. You know what I mean? If it doesn't go well, you're out. You're done. And and he knows he can play at a high level in moments. And so I think that's a huge part of what he's trying to say at this point is, you know what, from here on out, I'm not going to blame the coaches. I'm going to try to take things into my own hands. And then 
obviously the really devastating news of the fact that we lost our left tackle on IR Braxton Jones. And now you might have to start Larry Borum or yeah, the other brutal. seventh round rookie. I uh, can't think of the kid's name from last year. Um, the offense might still without Tevin Jenkins. Maybe Nate Davis comes back this week. It's going to be a, this whole weekend, this Bears, 0-3 Bears at the Chiefs, 1-1 one 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 Chiefs, 0-2 Bears at the 1-1 one one Chiefs is going to be a must-watch just to see if the Bears implode and they just completely implode or if maybe this is exactly the kind of shitstorm, firestorm that they needed. Either way, I'm fired up. I said it on our show on Monday. I'm saying again, I stand by Justin Fields. I truly believe there is a reason this organization has never had a 4,000-yard passer. I don't blame the passers. I really don't. You've had, there's been some talent to come through at the quarterback position. This organization is poorly run and they seem to always put their quarterback, especially in really bad situations. This feels like that all over again, all over again. And um, the Chicago bears, they, I think need to support Justin Fields and help Justin Fields win, call a game that supports Justin Fields as a talent. Hopefully, Hopefully by Justin Fields doing this and being more aggressive with the media, that the, the coaching staff will go back to the drawing board and, and help him uh, figure out these frustrations. I'm fired up today on a Wednesday. Can't wait. I'm all in on Justin Fields. I mean, this is the, the I, I understand how from a fan perspective that can be exciting and, and get you fired up. I'm just not sure what the, um, that this is a, a, a remotely a good, look or no, strategy terrible. there's what what it's results terrible. from this there's not <laughs> nothing's going to result from this for justin fields it's just no. going to make him now look like an asshole um who's you know calling out his coaches you just don't do that um because i honestly think these these two situations are pretty parallel with pittsburgh and how bad their offensive coordinator is and how bad kenny pickett has played and I don't know if I would uh, like for Kenny Pickett to be the one to have to say these things. These are conversations that should happen behind closed doors. Justin Fields going into Matt Eberflus's office and saying, look, I can't work this way. Uh, and maybe he has done that. But to take it public, uh, now you've you've laid out the cards. You have put this out well, there. And those now it's hard, it's hard to uh, mend those fences uh, I without something drastic happening. I agree. The only my only counterpoint to that be if you look at the full quote, and of course everything's gonna be taken out of context, but if you look at the full quote, he's saying, I'm playing bad because I feel like I'm overthinking, and part of the overthinking is the coaching. Is that they're he says, I listened to the whole quote. He says in it, yeah, they're giving me so much to think about that then when the play happens, I'm thinking and not just reacting and trusting my gut. And so it's not a direct call saying basically these coaches suck and I'm better than them. It is saying the way I'm being coached right now, I'm letting it, I'm letting it affect my game. And so he's taking ownership of the bad play. I just think in the end, it's a bizarre way you, Dan, to phrase it. It's a bizarre yeah, way to phrase it. It is. And then your response, your one word response initially, because he did, he paused. They, they asked what makes him overthink. He said coaching. His first thought was coaching, not, uh, just trying to process all, all this information from the week like that isn't that that uh, and and you can't fault a guy all the time for not having the right answers but when you're quarterback yeah. you probably expect he's just not as good at the mic 
as yeah. some other quarterbacks and that like that Dak Prescott wouldn't have had that kind of moment. No, um, but you know what? I so also give that. credit. I, I just give credit to this kid feeling like he's fighting for his career. He and is a that. talented, talented kid. He can play quarterback at this level. I truly believe that. And I think him and the people around him are looking and going, this is, this is a disaster. Like my, like, if the game plan was if if the game plan was different and the and the play calling was different, I would be like Justin, come on now, like this is now you're just being a, a dick and you're calling out. But the the lack of design runs, the lack of creativity from this offense, the horrible scheming and play calling so far we've seen through two games, I think is very very indicative of me to support Justin Fields over the coaching staff and him coming out saying the reason I'm paying, playing bad right now is because I feel like I'm being overcoached or underutilized in the way that my game works for me. I think it's fair for him to come out and defend himself a little bit because the media has been really harsh yeah, on him. Yeah, and is, you'll see true. it all it takes is one bad quote from a big name, a Colin Coward or a Mike Greenberg who has a national audience. Unlike us, that won't just defend him and give him an honest breakdown and people, the general narrative will write him off. It's like, Oh, well he stinks. Right. Move on. Get Caleb Williams. They're already talking about Caleb Williams, this Caleb Williams, that in Chicago. And that's so unfair to him, especially if he feels like, wait a minute, this isn't me. I, I can't, you want me to audible every play into a different play just because I hate the play calling? I guess if that's what I have to do, I'll do it. And I kind of respect him for and not giving up on his career. That's Either way, fair. fired that's fair. up. And I, and I will say he is a very well-liked guy, so I don't want to make the inclination yeah. from what my comments were that he's some sort of uh, you know no. jerk or anything in the locker room. Um but, you know, you just have to be careful about what the perception could be of, of totally. the words that you say. And you have to be careful with those um, because that's just how how it gets out. I don't think any of us uh, interpreted what he was saying with any sort of malicious intent. But it's just, you know, that's the nature of of being at the microphone. Yeah, in a face the franchise. Market. You know, that's that is what happens. But, yeah, uh, that that uh, was obviously worthy of an opening here for the show as we are uh you know now now finding fired ourselves up. 10 minutes in and we are fired up let's go monday night football recap and we'll talk some other items from around the league as well All right, we had two Monday night football games, uh, one on the ESPN broadcast, one on the ABC broadcast. I have to say before we get into this, uh, they tried doing this double box thing. Um, it was I hated the double very box. Annoying, very annoying, uh, very look, annoying. If we want to watch uh, the other game, we know that it's on a available network. Like We'll go and, and, and show check me it highlights. Out. Yeah, I get the double box. If you want to show us a highlight or, hey, they're in the red zone, they're about to score, maybe. They kept it up for like a solid, you know, almost – 10 minutes it seemed uh way too long to have the double box there but nonetheless we'll get to the two games we had the saints panthers Browns, steelers we'll start with the first game the saints at the panthers obviously bryce young uh out there for the panthers his first home opener yeah uh, and, and and you know ran out to uh to cheers in the crowd a cool moment for the uh, first overall pick uh didn't have a great game but i will say mark it, it, it he didn't look bad either i mean this offense for the Panthers is just pretty um, rough all around in terms of the skill position players that they have available to them. And so uh, when you're throwing to the likes of Adam Thielen, who is well past his prime, 
and uh and just a host of uh you know Hayden Hurst is fine uh and Miles Sanders is a decent running back but yeah they just don't have much to work with I thought Bryce Young did well for what he was being asked yeah. to do uh and and ultimately you know the Saints come out we have 13-6 here it should uh it should say 20 to 17 but nonetheless uh you know Saints pull out a three-point victory in this game to win it Derek Carr you know rallying the Saints yet again uh, to a win and and this one in division. So just your overall takeaways uh, from this game. Chris Olave, by the way, a phenomenal one-handed catch. The guy's a superstar. Um, but yeah, both these teams matched up pretty well, but that Saints team uh, looking pretty good. And, and like we both predicted, I think they are going to end up winning this division even just two weeks in. I feel confident. This that. is absolutely the type of win that helps the Saints win their division. I mean, this is exactly what we thought of them. It's a low ceiling but they're just the most well-rounded team in the NFC South right now through two weeks that we've seen. And listen, playing on the road in Carolina is not the easiest thing. And uh, so as far as the Saints go, in, out, victory, and uh, and uh, don't overthink it. W's a W, move on to the next one. Um, you know, Chris Olave making big plays and his connection with their car early has been, it's got to be good for Saints fans. Uh, and they still get Alvin Kamara back. Like this is an offense yeah, that exactly, still can, yeah. can can take a boost, a step in the right direction. Um, as far as the Panthers go, I'll quickly say this: Didn't they lose um, Shaquille, um, uh, the linebacker? Shaq, they yeah, uh, Shaq Thompson. Shaq is, Thompson uh, for the whole year. That's likely, brutal. Yeah, yeah. Because he's really a good, rough. he's a really good player. And the, and the strength of this Panthers team is their young, improving defense, and so that really hurts. Helps me as and a Bears fan. Horn. Um, what was done for the year two? Um, after week after one. week one, so they lost, you know, and he's gotten injured twice in his three year career yeah, already. He's had a rough um, start, very J.K. Dobbins esque, just rough start yeah. to the to the career. And so, uh, listen, this Panthers team, they are poised to be the team that should, at the deadline, be a buyer. Like they need to be a buyer on just like bringing in someone who will give them a little momentum to say, hey whether it's a tight end, a wide receiver, some sort of offensive weapon at the deadline for a team that's willing to sell. Uh, you don't you don't have a first-round pick next year, but maybe giving up a, a third or a fourth-round pick or something to go get a, a someone just so you feel like, oh, there's a spark for Bryce Young to start developing that, that chemistry going into next year. Overall, my impressions of Bryce, again, I, I watched more of the Steelers game, but I was, I was back and forth. He is really small, and that hurts. But I will say he's accurate, and I think he can complete 90% of the balls you need to complete to be an NFL quarterback. He's not going to Josh Allen you, and that's where you, the limit is. But if Bryce Young was with the San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, if the Carolina Panthers can build that type of team around him, this kid's going to – he could really win some games, like a lot of games, because he is – the prototype quarterback for that Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur type of offense with a big physical offensive line, a strong running game, play action, and can move in the pocket and be accurate, quick ball out of his hands. I mean, he is the prototype for what those guys are looking for. So it's now on Carolina to build that team around him. Yeah, I mean, this is a good Saints defense, a really good Saints front, especially. And Bryce Young went 22-33. For 153 yards, nothing crazy there, obviously. But one touchdown, no picks. He didn't kill this team, didn't hurt them. Yeah. 
that had 34 yards on two scrambles as well. So he, he flashed a little bit of that athleticism on top of it. Uh, you know, he, he looked like the better quarterback in this game overall. Uh, yeah. Derek Carr is obviously a better quarterback right now uh, for sure. But Derek Carr was 21 to 36, had one interception, no touchdowns. In this Taysom game. looked good. <laughs> Taysom 75 yards on the ground. He did look good. Uh, also had that one completion too, but yeah, overall, um, I think, you know, if you're Carolina, obviously you don't, uh, want to, you know, go over the season because, yeah. you know, your first round pick is going to the bears next year. So you're not, you're not trying to fight for positioning there. Um, but you know, it, it's a loss. There's no moral victories, but I'd still say I'd be encouraged just from what I've seen. You just want to start stacking, uh, performances, uh, even if they're not winning ones, uh, you want to stack encouraging performances from your own quarterback. I think they're getting that. And I think next year's free agency is going to be a big deal for the Panthers. They're going to need to get, like you were saying, you know, they're going to need to be buyers and, and get, get a top weapon in there. I'm not sure what the free agency pool looks like right now, but they could sure use a, a Christian McCaffrey or a DJ Moore right about now. When you don't, uh, when obviously. you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie pay scale, you got to go all in. And so the yeah, Panthers yeah. have to be that be huge, huge buyers. Absolutely. All right, so the other game, the uh, the Go later off. start of the two, the uh, Browns at the Steelers. Obviously, a lot of excitement from my end coming into this game because this was a get-right opportunity for Pittsburgh, primarily their offense. Uh, it was it was middle of the road, at, and, and as that goes, they they got a win, so you have to be somewhat pleased with that that they're one and one right now, and that's kind of what I predicted they would have been at the beginning of the season, having played the 49ers and the Browns. Uh, the way they won wasn't, you know, an encouraging sign. Obviously, uh, to start the game off with a pick six from Alex Highsmith was awesome, uh, and and it made me instantly feel like, oh yeah, we're we're about to enter the same old Browns territory here. Yeah, uh, especially with Deshaun Watson, where it just feels like, is this guy actually going to find it back? I will give Deshaun Watson a full season's worth of games, so he's about what nine games into it so he's got about seven more games before i make a full determination on whether i think that he'll ever return to the old deshaun watson but it certainly seems to be trending towards maybe the guy just doesn't have it anymore uh that was a rough uh start obviously it was a a bobble to begin with and uh and kind of a fluky pick but it was still a bad throw all in all uh defense played really good for the most part i mean running they still their run defense was was bad and nick chubb obviously destroyed them uh, for the much of that first half, brutal to see Nick Chubb go down yeah. with the injury that he did. Uh, obviously a phenomenal football player, probably the best overall running back in the league. When you just could talk about, uh, not overall running back, just ru- running between the tackles, uh, rushing capability. He is phenomenal. And so you hate to see superstars. You hate to see anyone go down with an injury, but superstars that make the league more fun. Uh, th- that's tough. And, you know, just hoping for a speedy recovery for him, but he's almost certainly done for uh, the next 12 months, and we'll see what happens after that, but hoping for a return there. But, yeah, I mean, the Browns are still able to run the football. Uh, they kept it much closer than it should have been, uh, and, you know, the, the Steelers' offense couldn't do anything, and that was a, a problem. Uh, Najee Harris couldn't uh, get much going. I don't know why they kept calling stretch runs and zone runs uh, for a, a between the tackles runner like Najee is. We weren't running any dive. Uh, there was no creativity with the offense, which, you know, nothing new, but you just hope that they learn from things and try and uh, move towards more, uh, you know, creative approaches. They didn't do that. 
And um, Kenny Pickett was kind of left to uh, try and make the reads quicker than you would want him to have to. Their offensive line didn't play well. And so all in all, it was a, a discouraging performance yet again, albeit it was a slight improvement from week one. Uh, the George Pickens touchdown was something nice to see. Kenny stared down some tough hits in this game and delivered some strikes. But yeah, um, overall, it was brutal. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski with a uh, catching an out-of-bounds kickoff, toe-tapping it uh, at the 10-yard line. I, I'm like, what? Are, it's just like, wh what is happening? You know, it's one of those situations where the problems just compound. And so... Yeah, this is kind of just me rambling with the the various uh, issues that I have with this team. Uh, but it was nice to see, you know, TJ Watt become the Steelers all-time sack leader at the age of 28. That was cool. Uh, it was nice to see the performance. Uh, but yeah, you, you never want your defense to have to score two touchdowns uh, to win you a football game. And, uh, and so it, it did require that this time around. Glad they got it. But man, got Raiders and Houston on tap next. Uh, gonna hope that that's the opportunity here for this offense to get going and get some confidence because right now they just have no mojo, no momentum going for them. Yeah, that's uh, you nailed it there at the end. They have got to take advantage of these next two opponents because they played two of the best, two of the top five maybe defenses in the league to yeah. start the season. So that's you the can only maybe make solace I take. Yeah, you can maybe make a little of excuse, but obviously, yeah. If I was the Steelers, I was rooting for the Steelers, and it was maddening offensive football to watch. And I watch a lot of horrible offensive football, as you know. So, you know, Kenny, I thought at moments looked really poised and dealing with everything he was dealing with. And clearly an offense that just wasn't working. So I give him credit for that. The Steelers defense, they showed up. They took it personal the way they got bullied around last week. And they came back and they really bit the head off the Browns early. And Deshaun Watson played terribly. I mean, he, he the two face masking penalties, he was inaccurate. He looked slow at times. He's not looked confident or good at all since coming back. I'm with you. Got to give him this whole year, see how it pans out. There's been a lot of bad quarterback play to start the year, so maybe he's just lumped into all of that where it's just you got to knock the rust off and get the season going. But he hasn't looked good. And now without uh, without Chubb, it's a huge hit for Cleveland. Getting Kareem Hunt right back into place. He was there mm -hmm. the last couple of years to get him back. That will help. Ford looked very capable as a backup running back. So the Browns are not in the worst spot in the world, but they need their uh, $230 million man to play a lot better. And the Pittsburgh Steelers need to get more creative on offense and just run the damn football. That, that was my biggest takeaway. Steelers beat the Browns because the Steelers always beat the Browns. Like the Packers always beat this, the Bears, but it was a concerning win for Pittsburgh. And if you're uh, Cleveland is a devastating loss because your quarterback played like poop and you're, you lost your star running back. Yeah, and I don't want to overreact um, like maybe a lot of people tend to do in these situations, but I don't know, man. I feel like Jalen Warren, just every time he's on the field, yeah, he's it, electric. It gives gives the Steelers way more splash, way more production than Najee. And I, I'm not even trying to insinuate that Najee's just bad or that Warren is even a better running back, but currently with the climate of this offense, Warren is just producing much bigger plays than Najee is. And so, I mean, I, I feel like you got to give him more carries and more touches and make it closer to a 50, 50 split to see what you got here. I mean, look, if you whiff on a first round running back, I mean, Jalen Warren's an undrafted free agent and Najee Harris is the 24th overall pick in the draft. Um, 
you, we've seen it with other teams, the Cardinals being more, one of the more recent ones. You have to be willing to move off of bad picks if you determine that they are bad and just kind of cut your losses. And I'm not saying that's a situation here, but you got to move uh, towards getting the playmakers more uh, time on the field and more targets. So that, that wraps that up. We'll see if they're able to rebound. We got Thursday night football coming up tomorrow uh, between the uh, New York football giants and the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll see if the giants can dig themselves out of the hole that they've already put themselves into. But we had some other news that, that came down. It, it was during our Monday show. We briefly discussed it with Patrick Mahomes, but we can talk about it a little bit more here uh, with, with them restructuring his deal to where over the next four seasons uh, through 2026, uh, that he is going to make $210 million as part of his larger uh, $450 million contract that he signed a few years ago. He's going to make 210 now between 2023 and 2026, which is a historic uh, number. Um, and, and that can be confusing for some. Obviously, Joe Burrow just reset the market and had a historic payday uh, for quarterback position. It's all about where you set the parameters. So the the, the, what makes this historic is that he's making all $210 million of this over these next four seasons, which is the most over a four-season span. While Burrow, on average, is making $55 million a year, it's not how it breaks down year to year. Some years you're going to make 65 some years you're going to make 40 et cetera, et cetera. So this is the most over a four-year span any player has made. Uh, we kind of you know speculated that this is probably due to you know giving – some more leeway to the later years of his contract where they can maybe have a little bit more leniency to play with. And, um, and, and there's always tons of reworking with contracts here, but yeah. just your uh, overall impression on what this means for Kansas city in the interim, because obviously now they're going to have to pay up a little bit more per year uh, when already, uh, you know, they're paying guys like Chris Jones that they just did. And, and, and you know, Travis Kelsey, they don't have any skill position guys they have to pay just yet. But yeah, it, it, it clearly signals that the next few years, they're probably not going to be making any big paydays to anybody else. Well, to me, the biggest surprise is the fact that we applauded the Chiefs for signing and and Patrick. We applauded Patrick for having the foresight to sign a 10-year, $500 million deal, basically, where it's like, all right, you're going to get a half a billion dollars over 10 years, and um, and you're going to help your team be really flexible in signing other players and winning. And that seemed all changed just because some other guys got paid to where it seemed like he wanted the respect of being in that 50 million plus a year guaranteed. And he's getting that now. So now more pressure on Patrick. The crazy thing is the the chiefs actually, by doing this move, like freed up, freed up cap space this year. Again, the chiefs are just well run. That's good organizations versus bad organizations. And it makes some sense. All of your biggest competitors, right? Buffalo, uh, uh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, in in your sphere in the AFC, are now all paying. Uh, Chargers and Denver are all paying a quarterback forty eight million or plus. You know what I mean? In the, in the same time, you're paying Patrick his fifty. So you basically say, listen, we're all paying our guys now about the same. So we're all going to be a wash and we trust our guys better than their guy. And we've already won. So we have yeah. the better coach. So I think maybe they're leaning on that a little bit. Hey, maybe Patrick said and his agent and they came to this agreement while I'm in my prime, let me get paid. Like I'm in my prime. Then in 2026, I'll be in my thirties. 
And let's look at me taking us some serious discounts in order for us to stay on top of keep winning. And maybe that's what they'll do. Or maybe they're just going to re-sign him and they'll just have to own up to whatever he wants. And maybe he'll get another gigantic, gigantic contract in 2026, which if he's going the way he's still going, none of us will complain about that either. And so I think the only thing for me it changed is my perception of Patrick a little bit in the sense of I thought he was different. Like, Tom Brady different where it's like money doesn't matter. He's getting more than is enough. He's on every other commercial and the dude is more about winning. This seemed a little bit more like I want mine. I want to be in that, in that upper echelon. Where's my respect a little bit. And that's a little different from the Patrick that we've kind of known to grow and love, but I don't blame him for it. He is the one guy that really deserves the money. Yeah, but it is possible that Kansas City wanted to do this, uh, and maybe they came to him and like, hey, can we push more of your contract? And now the, the likelihood of that happening is probably less than what we think. But but by moving money around, like you said, they freed up cap space this year. I mean, maybe that was part of the move. Like they wanted, yeah, who knows? They wanted I don't know. to give themselves a little bit more. But yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you for sure um, on that front. And uh, now we're going to see really what they're made of in terms of their ability to draft and, you know, develop which they've done well uh, so on their far. own, which they, they have certainly uh, done in spades. Let's go to another AFC opponent of theirs, the New York Jets. We talked about the Aaron Rodgers injury and just how impactful that is for New York, the franchise and uh, the prospects moving forward this season. So let's kind of peruse what's next for the Jets at the quarterback position for 2023, because there's been a lot of speculation now about whether or not they are going to shop for another quarterback to take them hopefully to the playoffs and see what happens at that point. And one of those quarterbacks at the epicenter of this conversation has been Kirk Cousins, the Jets uh, potentially trading for the yeah. Vikings. Mike Greenberg said it on his show this morning. He wants Kirk Cousins. Go get it's Kirk very, Cousins. It's very interesting, you know, and obviously – the Vikings have already paid a good portion of, you know, Kirk Cousins' contract, so it wouldn't be as big of a lift uh, as it would have been It'd if be a they one tried year to get Kirk Cousins last year. Yeah, a one-year rental. Um, my personal thoughts on the situation are you just got to ride it out with Zach Wilson unless you want to try and get a uh, low-cost guy like, oh, I don't know, if Anthony Richardson comes back for the Colts in short order, do you try and get Gardner Minshew? to come in there, who I think is an upgrade over Zach Wilson, to be quite honest with you. Uh, do you try and get a Mitch Trubisky or someone that you think is just slightly better that can run your offense and not be a total liability? I'm totally on board with a move like that. I think getting a guy like Kirk Cousins is not going to help the problem. And part of that is I think you need a guy that's at least somewhat mobile on this Jets offense, unless they're an all-time great like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because their offensive line is terrible. I don't think Kirk Cousins, who we've already seen, you know, yes, he threw four touchdowns, uh, you know, last week, but or was it week one? I'm already uh, week one. Can, can, it was week one. So we've seen him put up big numbers already this year, but he also had multiple fumbles and uh, was under duress. Uh, I, I don't see how he would fare in this New York Jets offense much better with fewer weapons, to be honest. I mean, outside of your running backs and Garrett Wilson, um, there's not a whole lot. You have Hawkinson, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Jordan Addison, and uh, and, and a capable Alexander Madison there. Uh, so, you know, I don't think the situation's going to be much better uh, for Kirk Cousins in New York. Do you think that this would be a 
a, a good move for the Jets? I mean, obviously he's an upgrade. Well, he'd be a huge upgrade, but I will say this. A lot of it just depends on what happens with the Vikings season. The Vikings are going to – will take phone calls on Kirk Cousins if people are calling. If they do fall to 0-3 and, and things go really bad, I think they'll start taking calls because I think what they'll look at is an organization just saying, hey, if we can get a second-round pick for a guy who we weren't planning on keeping anyways, then we're going to benefit from that, and we're going to start our rebuild now and then hopefully be able to draft the future uh, quarterback who's going to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson a lot. You could pay Justin Jefferson then, keep him happy, and then that would be one of the most desirable quarterback positions to go to as a young quarterback, and there's a lot of young quarterbacks to look at the draft. For the Jets, I would go Jameis Winston first and foremost. He'd be the guy I'd be calling on if I was the Jets. Uh, And then secondly, as far as Kirk goes, if I were the Jets, I'd only really consider it if Zach Wilson over the next week or two can't move the ball. I mean, I I don't blame Zach Wilson for looking terrible against Dallas, but if he continues to look terrible against lesser defenses, then there's just no point in letting him. He's such a, it feels like he's an emotional drain on that franchise. And so I think that that's one of those things where it's like, you just be better to move on, cut ties because it just he's got his second chance here now, and it's so far it's not looking good. But I'd ride with him another couple of weeks, and if it's still this bad, then I would get anxious, and I would probably just try to get someone else in the building because it, would, it feels like it's an emotional drain on your fans and your team. Here's the problem for the Jets. They don't really have much room to play around with here. They have the Patriots coming up next, then the Chiefs, then the Broncos, then the Eagles. I mean, the next month here are some good defenses overall. you got to beat the situation. Patriots if you're the Jets. Yeah. If you're the Jets, Absolutely. like so much of your season comes down to this week. And if you're the Patriots, yep. you're 0-2. So much of your season comes to this week. So that's a huge, huge game just for implications of where the franchises are headed. I feel like if they're going to make a move, the Jets – They'll have they got to do it real soon. They they have to do it real soon. They, there's no reprieve there because after the Eagles, they get the Giants, but then it's back to the Chargers, then Raiders, Bills, Dolphins. Yeah. Like they, it's a schedule. tough schedule. It's a tough schedule. And so, yeah, if they if they really want to try and make that move and make the push, they'd have to do it. I think ultimately they'll just end up staying pat with Zach Wilson and trying to just see what they can. Uh, what what they can do with this and 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 hope for the best uh, moving forward. But tough situation all around for New York, obviously. But that to me would just be trying to put a band aid on an issue that you just got to let play out. Uh, you know, take your lumps and come back ready to go with Aaron Rodgers well uh, next year for sure. So uh, that is the look at Monday Night Football and a couple of news and notes from around the league. Obviously, we we had some injuries this past week. We touched on Nick Chubb, and uh, and and wishing him all the best. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see on some of these other. Saquon Barkley got hurt. Uh, we didn't talk too much about that, uh, but it's looking like it's possible that he comes back. Even just an ankle, normal night, ankle which is sprain. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy that he could possibly return. Uh, let's give our quick thoughts on this 49ers, uh New York Giants matchup. For Thursday night, before we sign off here, Mark, the uh, 49ers are favored, of course, in this one by 10. So getting 10 points are the 49ers at home. Meanwhile, the Giants uh, on the road at one and one looking for their second win of the season. Do you think that put up or shut up time for the Giants? I mean, they've got to they've got to come out and play well offensively. 
at least show a real pulse against this defense. Again, no shame in losing to the Niners at home. They are maybe the best team in football, but I need to see that real effort because you looked pathetic against a good defense in the Cowboys and you looked barely passable against one of the worst teams in the, in the NFL with the Cardinals. So big put up or shut up time for them. And for the Niners, this is a chance again, don't play with your food. Go on out there on uh, in primetime and put on a show. Help your young quarterback bounce back from some of those big misses last week. Put him in a good position to feel good about himself against a bad Giants defense. That's, those are, to me, the, the keys to, to be looking out for as we head into this game. Can either of those teams accomplish what their main goal would be? And I think those would be the two main goals for each of those teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. I see the 49ers putting on a show in this one yet again. I think they're rolling and they're riding that momentum against a, you know, an inferior opponent. They're at home, uh, a lot working for the 49ers in this game. And so I think they cover that 10 points. Uh, I, I could see them winning by, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns ugly uh, at, at, at worst. So yeah, that that'll do it for our, our, our look at Monday night football and some of the news around the league. So we will be back then uh, next Monday for our week three recap. So uh, until next time, we'll see you.